0: All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis, Davis. and we are bringing you a game by game breakdown of the main slate on Fanduel and DraftKings. That's the one o'clock and the, for some reason, two four o'clock games. Don't know, no idea why they only put two games on uh, for the late game, but whatever. That's just the way it is. But we're going through game by game, talking about the injury news, talking about some betting lines, some over-unders, and then of course the DFS plays from each one on a week where I think we're going to go, look, we're a minute into here and I I think we're going to go long. I think there's so much to talk about this week. We did cover uh, some stuff in our week four recap and week five preview. It came out two days ago, and then we covered a bunch of cash game plays in yesterday's cash game podcast. So if we nod to those along the way, you know you can just go back and listen, uh, so as to not repeat some of the stuff that we've already said, in the interest of time and interest and whatever else. Uh, we're just not going to go through all these all these plays again. I'm going to start off here non-football thing real quick. Your thoughts? Mark Cuban comes out uh, yesterday and says uh, he said I'd rather own bananas and
1: baseball cards over Bitcoin. Your thoughts? Go. <laughs> Baseball cards is an extremely terrible take. I will. He said because he can. He said because bananas he can
0: eat and baseball cards he can look at. Those are that. Those those were their. Those are tangible values. Those two things over Bitcoin. Your thoughts
1: go. Well, I wonder if he has any money in his bank account then, because you can't eat it and you can't look at it. So. What what's the value of it, right? It just sits there. It's just numbers on a screen. So, you know, what's the value? It's just a stupid take. I don't know why you pitched me these dumb Bitcoin takes from time to time. Um, <laughs> I'd I like, like to see if I can get something of a rise out of you. Um, yeah, but well, you've know. got something of a rise out of me. Generally speaking, the people, like, so Bitcoin, in my opinion, you want it, is my investment advice. I think Bitcoin is either, or some equivalent, some cryptocurrency will rise and be either worth more than a hundred trillion dollars in market cap or zero dollars and there's a chance it could be zero like it might just never have adoption people just you know beyond black market goods and you know the odd and end here and there that it makes more convenient um yeah i use bitcoin still to deposit to bavada um because it's by far easier for me and can help get around under your customer laws and things with these offshore companies but um yeah i don't know thanks for the stupid bitcoin take i guess uh We'll, well, I guess we'll see. That's my only, my final take. And all if right, it's buddy. Gonna just e- take... either be zero or it's going to be a hundred trillion. I'm going to bet that it has more use than Mark um, Cuban thinks. So, all right, take
0: it. a deep breath. We don't need to make the whole podcast about Bitcoin. You got your thoughts in there. I
1: all know, right, it's our new uh... Bitcoin podcast. Well, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Good call. You should bring up Bitcoin <laughs> and just throw it out there, and then just move on while I'm mid sentence. That's, <laughs> that's I was the best start to the podcast.
0: It wasn't going to matter go how long... you were kidding. Go
1: ahead. <laughs> it yeah, wasn't going to matter how long you went
0: on with that. I was. Gonna... I had the same answer queued up. All right, the same mm-hmm. response you queued up. Here we go. Week five uh, is coming at you. There, we're oh, you know, a quarter of the way through the season for most teams, and I do feel like this week offers the most uncertainty around a couple things. One is just what I think to be ownership. Uh, percentages in terms of cash games. Uh, I think we've gone into, we said this in a previous podcast, but we've gone into other weeks having some idea around some plays, I think, of our you know where the chalk was going to be. We've been off the chalk plenty this season, and mostly for the best. I think that our process has lent itself pretty well to just not really falling in love with what we think the industry is going to, uh, who the industry is going to kind of want to play. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of consensus this week, uh, and I think that even really around every price range, There's going to be a mix and match of ownership, and we'll kind of roll through that. The first game is Minnesota at the Giants. Minnesota starts as a a four-and-a-half-point road favorite. They're up to five-and-a-half. Uh, no real injury news here on the Minnesota side. There was some speculation. Stefan Diggs did a bunch of weird stuff, like unfollowed people on Vikings and followed a bunch of Bills on Instagram, so people thought he was going to get traded, um, and he sat out, like, <laughs> mysteriously sat out practices this week, like with no, but he's not on the injury report, so people don't really know what's going on there. Uh, I guess the last word is that he's not going to be traded, but who the hell knows with these guys. Um, so there's no real injury news besides that, which really is an injury. And then on the Giants' side, Saquon Barkley had like a six-week timetable to come back, but he was spotted in pads at practice this week and like jogging on the sidelines. So uh, it's a little unclear. I don't think he's going to play, but he doesn't. No know way he's, he's going
1: to play, right? He, I mean,
0: that... He's no longer, di- I think he's questionable to play. Like he's not officially ruled out at this point. Uh, and Golden Tate is coming back from suspension. So let's start on the Minnesota side. The receivers have been real big disappointments, though there's been some volume issues because they've had some really weird game scripts. Where do you stay, like put guys like Thielen and guys like Diggs right now, and we can talk a little bit about Dalvin Cook that we did not to him on the Cash Game podcast yesterday.
1: Yeah, I think Thielen's kind of interesting. Um, you know, we saw well, we saw a few maddening things as well, like him rushing for a touchdown from the one-yard line, which you always hate to see if you're someone who has running backs in Minnesota, which we have from time to time. I mean, I think these guys are interesting. I just don't know how you can think about playing, especially the receiver core in anything outside of a big tournament because, you know, Thielen comes out, he was the the very picture of consistency to start last season and then just sort of disappears altogether. We know that Diggs is kind of the same way. Like, he can go out there. His last game was his best one. Seven catches for 108 yards. Did lose a fumble there. But he also had one catch against Green Bay. You know, I, I just don't know. Like, this Minnesota team, they've told us when things are going well, we've been a plant pass fewer than 20 times. And so... How can you be happy with anyone in that passing game in a regular contest? Even in a big tournament, frankly, they they could just be overwhelmed on their face. Um, we talked about Dalvin Cook quite a bit yesterday. I still like him a lot in this game. Uh, it's still very close between him and Kamara for me for cash games, but I can't imagine touching the passing game here.
0: No, uh, and after we, wa- we re-watched the Kirk Cousins gender baby reveal on Twitter yesterday where he um, throws uh, like a beanbag <laughs> from about six yards at a... Uh, I mean, almost like a human-sized target and barely hit it from five yards away. Luckily, it had like a brace at the bottom because that's what the beanbag hit and it exploded. If you can't find this on Twitter, it's worth watching. You'll never want to roster Kirk Cousins ever again in anything after watching, that, after watching him short. <laughs> to or, be fair, you short, have to
1: think that he was also trying to throw his absolute hardest because he wanted to make sure the thing broke. And so... Sometimes when you throw your absolute hardest, it can you can pull things a bit. I've I don't know, been... man.
0: I, he was like short-arming it. It was a sad state of affairs. Luckily, it exploded. <laughs> I, I showed it. I showed it to my wife, and she was like, "Do you think it would have just exploded even if it hit the ground?" I think I was like, I, "He probably would have been saved either
1: way." But he was really saved by bad construction on the thing he was throwing at. Okay, right. well, see, uh, I think I think that he I think he probably skipped the first one, and that's and they just didn't decide to post that one. And so the excitement from the wife after it explodes the second time is like, you hit it! You oh, know? wasn't that it it's was a boy? Like, <laughs> it <wasn't> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just like, thank God you hit it. This is gonna be real embarrassing. We, we do.
0: We don't have time. <laughs> We've been asked this was our fourth take. <laughs> <laughs> we just can't. We're gonna, we're gonna run out of time on this. Like we're just in the woods somewhere. Anyway, um, giant side. We're, we're using um, this one. <laughs> you know the Golden Tate thing. How much do you want to ding some of the receivers like Ingram and Shepard? Uh, I guess to some degree, you know Barkley and or Saquon, mostly me, Barkley and or Gallman, but probably Gallman here uh, with a possession guy like Tate back. Um, does it make sense to just ding them just a little bit because some of these guys were creeping, specifically Ingram, were creeping close to cash games. I don't know if Tate makes that big of a difference. I feel like it's hard to know, and he just is a real guy returning to the lineup.
1: Yeah, I, I think. Your instincts about tape muddying the waters there certainly makes sense. I will say that with a new quarterback now, with Danny Dimes, your bud, uh, sometimes we just don't know how different receivers are gonna mix things up. You know, like I've said many times, the two major things can that can mix up targets on a team are new wide receivers coming in and new quarterbacks coming in, and just like, and by the way, I, this is not even during now. I'll save it. I'll save it for that game, but. In this game, I think Tate coming back makes sense. I also think, you know, we were wavering going into last game about whether we wanted to run Gallman out there or not. Uh, We ultimately decided not to do it in cash, Uh, you know, much to our chagrin, unfortunately, after the fact. But I think our process there was still correct in that this Giants offense, it's still no sure thing, right? And even Gallman, who wound up producing numbers last week, he really sucked on the graph. (laughs) This guy had 18 carries for 63 yards. This is coming after five carries for 13 yards. Against a Tampa Bay team that we saw get carved up on offense the following week. Like, there's a good chance Wayne Gallman's just not an RB1 quality running back. And the six catches for 55 yards and a touch notwithstanding, like, that could be the case here. Gallman's questionable with zone neck injury as well. So, for me, the Giants offense, just kind of a stay away. I think there's so many contributing factors there. I'm not ready to rule out Minnesota just absolutely dumpstering the Giants. I know you wanted to talk about how you were going to bet the Giants today? So I did, plus five and a half.
0: Yeah. It started at four and a plus half, went to five half. and a half. I bet that five and a half. I like it at their home.
1: Yeah, five and, uh, and a half feels a lot better than four and a half. But.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, that's right. I got that um, today at mybookie.ag. You can make a first-time deposit uh, using the promo code Overtime, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. Get, uh can double their deposit bonus up to $100. So go visit mybookie. That's what we use to put this kind of stuff in. Um, and yeah, no, plus five and a half for the Giants. Uh, you know, they're... Positive point differential since Jones uh, took over. I know they played the Redskins one of these games, and they pro- they probably shouldn't have won the uh, the Tampa Bay game for sure because they just you know Tampa Bay. Watched it, but they played really well on the road in Tampa Bay, which I I like to see. I think the Jones factor—the fact that he's just like more of a dynamic runner—guys like this, I think, will keep them closer into games. I think Tate actually just helps the offense in general getting him back. as just another receiver for Jones to throw to, Uh, and I I, just—I think I feel like the jury for me is just still out on like what Minnesota is. I know they're two and two with a positive point differential, but going on the road here at the Giants, I think that the home piece factors in a little bit too. So I love that it went up to five and a half. and yeah, I, I took that pretty pretty quickly because I was going to take it a four, four and a half as well.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I I still think that this game has, like, I think in my mind, it's still more likely that Minnesota wins by 10 or more points than it is that the Giants win the game outright. And in those four and a half to five and a half point spreads, I mean, that's significant for sure. Uh, we'll see plenty of teams win by, you know, four or three and so on. But I just think it's just so hard for me to believe that the Giants are ready to hang with the actual contenders in the nfc right now and so for that reason I'm, I'm still fine sitting on the other side of it
0: hey they beat a team at home that just boat raced los angeles on the road the, the nfl is weird man i'm not this isn't the case for the giants i guess but the nfl is just so weird bucks lose to the giants at home and then go across the country and just smoke the rams i don't know it's like sometimes it can drive you it can drive you absolutely nuts and try to figure out on a game-to-game basis like what the hell is going on baltimore goes in and faces the steelers We talked about Lamar Jackson as possibly a cash game play. I feel like that's trending more and more likely for me. Um, We can get into that as we go through some of these other quarterbacks. Just as I go down the list, I'm just thinking more and more like he's just is just the ultimately safest guy in a place where I don't I'm maybe not going to mind spending up. So, we can talk about that. The other thing is, Mark Andrews is a guy that we've wanted to play in cash and did play in cash last week, also. Are you worried, though? He only played half the snaps last week and he's been banged up again. Like, he just, the guy never practices. And it feels like they're maybe even managing him during the game only on strict passing downs. Does that make you worried at all about, like, his floor? If he just knocked, he still had eight targets and caught a touchdown. So that's great. But there's a word, you worry about the floor that he's just really not even He's like playing half the game for Baltimore.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I think. Anytime you're getting a mixed snap thing, you know, we, we've talked about this before, but anytime you're getting some, sort of those mixed snap, like we're not sure who our actual guys are, we don't know who we want on the field, uh, that kind of thing going on, you have to be concerned. I think when it comes to running backs and to a lesser degree tight ends, I think that oftentimes you're going to... Like oftentimes those plays are drawn up for those players. Um, yeah, sometimes they can be like the outlet or the, you know, the... The option when everything breaks down, but sometimes you're like, we just need seven yards, so we're going to pass to our tight end. And with the running back, sometimes it's like, ah, oh, this is just a designed screen, and like our line is already moving. This we're going to be blocking for this. We're just going to make it happen. So I worry less about the snap thing for tight ends, because also a lot of times teams have tight ends that they prefer for blocking and teams that they prefer for pass catching. So and I don't know if that's the case in Baltimore. Uh, I mean, I watched a lot of Lamar Jackson this year, but. You know, I don't sit there staring at who the tight ends are that come in. I'm sure there are people t- who do a great job on things like that, but you know, that's not our specialty necessarily. But yeah, I think you can still do it. I still, I'm Waller is just still so far on the top of the tight end chain, food chain for me that it's hard to imagine looking somewhere else. But I can certainly see a case here.
0: Yeah, I think just the waller between just the overall target share, uh, the fact that they just seem like a team, they're just going to need the throw at times. They face, a, we'll get to that game in a little bit, but I think I'm I'm with you considering the price on him. Uh, I'm just still worried that. It's one thing to get managed during the week for injuries, which a lot of players are. It's another thing to be like just kind of hurt all year, which also might be the case with Andrews, especially if they don't want to just yeah. give him a full complement of snaps. So I'm getting increasingly sort of like worried that that's the case. Uh, not much else to talk about here. Uh, like Marquise Brown's a guy that's kind of sniffing around cash games for us, only just because of the target share. Though he's been pre- he's been was really inefficient last week, uh, and just like by the nature of his routes, I just don't think it's just going to be a possession guy. Do you get worried that he's just sort of a deep threat and has had trouble because of that converting, like from a cash game perspective, plenty of upside for GBPs. But like I said, this is a guy that is starting to sniff around on eight and a half, eight to eight and a half targets uh, in our system.
1: Yeah. So this is where I'll often look over at Fanshare Sports. And by the way, because we were already talking about him, they made us a promo code. Our promo code is DFSR. If you go over to Fanshare Sports and want to sign up for Fanshare Pro and get access to what I think is the best, you know, sort of aggregated um, and proprietary Uh, projections in terms of gpp ownership out there right now but um so fan has him you know receiving relatively little buzz compared to a lot of other players this week so i would be pretty surprised to see much cash game ownership on him and then for that reason if you're running him out there in cash games you have to be prepared for getting your volatility two ways the first is the actual player who like you said runs deep routes, can turn that into 100 yards can, can turn three targets into 100 yards and a touchdown or into one catch for six yards. Either way, like you wouldn't be totally shocked. So you get it that way, and then you also get it at probably pretty low ownership would be my guess too. So I don't know that you want to cut it both ways there. And uh, yeah, I have a hard time imagining he'll be in my final cash game lineups here.
0: And you just described the perfect play that if you if you are buying into like the deep down field threat, you're talking. You just described a GBP play like almost just yeah. what the the textbook definition of that is cheap too. Yeah, I mean if you
1: know he's cheap and he can get like we saw the first week if that game had stayed close, like he might have had. 160 yards and two touchdowns or more, right? So, yeah, I think certainly the big tournament upside is undeniable.
0: Yep, and they're throwing it to him, too. I think he's still a thing. It's just it's just you're going to you're gonna run into these weeks where he just goes like two for eight or whatever. Uh, on the yeah. Steelers' side, the injury news here is a couple pieces here for the Steelers. One, James Conner has not practiced, was supposed to practice today, but didn't. So I don't know. It's uh, Tomorrow will be, well, today, Thursday. Uh, excuse me. Well, thir- Thursday and Friday will be the days that we really need to monitor the injury news here. My gut says he plays. But if he doesn't play, we're just going to be at another running back to the mix in Jalen Samuels. Um, I mean, let's not spend a lot of time in this except to say if Connor was out, would we just have Jalen Samuels like in every lineup? Like He's just that kind of guy with the way the Steelers. They, they've kind of split them a little bit this year. But uh, just in the off chance, because we do record this Thursday, if he was out, would he would Samuels just jump all the way to the top of the list as like this three-down back game script independent?
1: It's pretty close to me, actually, just because the Steelers have also had so much difficulty running the ball this year. And I don't suspect that that's going to get better. Now the teams don't have to respect the passing game very much. Also a very tough offense going up against Baltimore. I mean, anytime you can get a three down back, this would be very actually similar to me uh, to the Gallman play last week where it's like, okay, we're going to probably get the RB1 here. We don't have a lot of precedent for it. And we don't have any precedent for it working out very well. Um, It doesn't make it unplayable. Like $5,000 running backs really do open up a lot. I think there are a lot of different factors that could make me feel happier about it, though, right? Like, if it was um, if it was just a worse defense, if we hadn't already seen the Steelers be willing to do sort of the running back by committee thing so far this year, you know? Like, I think there are a couple of things that give me pause. You know, at the end of the day, if it means I can play all good plays elsewhere, I think it's the type of play that's totally fine as your worst play, if that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, it's not something I would be racing out the door to try to do either.
0: Yeah, interesting. I, I mean, I, again, I think Connor's plays so uh, I, I think it'll be, probably be moot, but worth discussing just because it is one of those uh, handcuff sort of punt play guys. Although he's not, he's not crazy cheap. Juju also is questionable with a toe injury. It's suspected that he is going to play. As well, but the Steelers really just going in the wrong direction uh, in terms of just overall offense. I will say, if if Juju weren't to play, then I think you can make a pretty strong case. You probably just do it anyway, but you, I think you can just still make a strong case for the Ravens defense here, possibly even in cash. Like this, this Steelers defenses or Steelers offense. Uh, I get what they did against Cincinnati last week, but. That's Cincinnati, and we're going to get to them shortly. Uh, this dealer's offense, if they were just missing any one of those other guys, I think they'd be they'd be getting so compromised to the, to the point where a good defense like Baltimore could just ground and pound them to death and probably stymie them on offense. If you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets, there's only one place to go, and that's Vivid Seats. It's super easy. You go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code Overtime. That's O V E R T I M E. And you save up to a hundred dollars on all ticket purchases. First-time customers only. Once again, Vivid Seats. Use the promo code Overtime. It's that easy. Get tickets. Go to the game. You won't regret it. All right. Continuing to move on here. Jacksonville goes in and plays Carolina. The, the over/under here is 41 with Carolina at three-and-a-half-point home favorites. I'm spending a a couple extra seconds on those numbers because we are considering running two running backs from this game in cash, in Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette, with a game that has one of the lowest totals overall in a thin spread. So it's not even like one of these teams is projected for a lot of points. It's one of the lowest totals of the week, and right now Fournette and McCaffrey are in 100% of our cash lineups. Does that have you worried at all? that we just get, like, that maybe just, like, time runs out before either of these guys can hit value. That's, that's like, my one <laughs> little concern. I know you're laughing. I'm, I'm only, like, half kidding about saying that.
1: Well, so it's funny. I, you know, we took McCaffrey in a very similar spot last week against Houston uh, with the kind of idea that, sure, it's a low total, but the plan is for it to be McCaffrey's show, and it was. I mean, the guy had 37 touches last week, Doug. 37. And like we talked about the other day on the Cash Game podcast, the FanDuel and DraftKings pricing algorithms just can't handle when the plan is that to use a guy that often. So that's why we're using McCaffrey, because your total can be as low as it wants, but if a guy's going to touch the ball on half of your offensive snaps, then it's kind of all moot, right? And so that's why we're playing him. We're playing Fournette, actually, for kind of an opposite and totally different reason, which is that while he will only occasionally get up to the stratosphere, he's still a very, very high usage back. You know, no... Let me see here. The fewest uh, plays run up for him this season was 19 in an opener against Kansas City, uh, where the game script very much was not in his favor. After that, 20 plus touches in each game, including more than 30, 32 total targets in uh, the game against Denver. So, yeah, I think we're playing Fournette because he's just a cheap value. We're playing McCaffrey because he's the team's whole offense. And sometimes you just wind up taking players like this in games with low totals. Uh, That's just kind of how the whole thing works. And the fact that they're playing each other, I don't think that matters very much. I mean, the fact that it's a thin spread actually helps both of them because running backs, you know, the the way you might lose out on your running back is when the spread gets too far and in the wrong direction. So, yeah, I can see doing it here. I think um, I'm also like, you know, kind of buoyed a little bit by uh, projected ownership data as well. I think that both these guys will see significant ownership, too, so. I'm not not too worried about running them out there.
0: Yeah, I, the the part where they were playing each other really wasn't the factor. I'd be saying this for either running back if they had these team totals, and we're just not playing. We're just playing other guys or other teams. I think specifically the Fournette side, but I guess you're right. It's not too dissimilar to what we ran into last week. So it was just funny that they were just playing each other, and I'm looking at this 41, and I'm like, jeez, I don't know. <laughs> this is fe- feeling weird, and I get it. Like the, these guys are not Fournette's not in the McCaffrey class, but he's in that next tier below in terms of just overall crazy usage. There's just no, and there's really any game scripts at least going to have him on the field. The only other news and notes here: Have you seen any of the Gardner Minshew, um, like sort of Chuck Norris like memes that are going around?
1: Um, that like they just. Being, I think you sent me the one that said like he, when he graduated high school, he told his dad that his dad was the man of the house. Yeah, that's what I was gonna write. I didn't realize I'd send it to. Him.
0: Yeah, <laughs> when he went to college, he told him, you're the man of the house. I love that one for some reason. All the other ones are just like straight out of the Chuck Norris. Uh, the Chuck Norris okay, yeah, yeah. just they could just be swapped in. Uh, but I, I like do. Like Superman
1: find wears it. garden
0: gardener pajamas. <laughs> yeah, yeah like exactly something like that. I, I do. I, I got to tell you though, this side of stuff just cracks me up every day. This is why I'm so glad the internet was invented. All the other stuff, like you know, dis, dissemin, dissemination of information at just a uh, infinite pace, and all this other stuff where you can cure things and figure out all all these problems is secondary to me than these hilarious like sort of these kind of memes that people just spend their time doing. I love them. I I, I could I could just scroll down a hundred of these and just probably laugh at I don't know ninety of them. All right, moving. I don't think anyway. That's long way to say it. I don't think there's anything else for us to really focus on the rest of this game uh, from a fantasy perspective. The running backs from both teams uh, pretty much just do everything. Bills go in and play Tennessee. This game has a 38-and-a-half over-under. Now, the news and notes here are that J- uh, Josh Allen was in the concussion protocol from the hit that he took against the Patriots on Sunday, uh, but it, it, it's looking more and more likely that he is going to clear that and play, that we'll have to... We'll have to kind of watch that as it goes along. Right now, the line to me does suggest that he's going to play. So if he weren't to play, though, would we start considering, A, we're putting Tennessee into the mix for just the defense to play? The the over-under on this game is already pretty low. Uh, and then what are your thoughts sort of on the same uh, defense and running back correlation with a guy like Derrick Henry? Henry right now on the season is – third over no excuse me he's tied for second he's tied for second overall in rushing attempts with 78 it's McCaffrey and then at 86 and then Chubb and Henry are tied at 78 he's not featured much in the passing game only eight targets but he is getting a lot of work on the ground in a game where they're favored at home is he a guy that we could throw into the mix here at running back
1: yeah I think so I mean Henry he actually reminds me a lot of Leonard Fournette here where the team really wants the plan to be to establish the run game it's just that they're not often in a position where they can do that uh, when we saw that happen, you know, in, in the Cleveland game to open the season and the Atlanta game, we did see outsized target share for him, and I think uh, he's still priced like a guy who's on a bad team, which you know I argue that Tennessee probably is, but that just opens up opportunity when the matchup breaks in the right way. Um, God bless Tennessee as well, right? They they got this guy catches a seventy-five yard touchdown pass that he basically makes happen all by himself in on week one, and they're like. Nah, Derek. We just can't throw you the ball, bud. You yep. want, you just you carry the ball. We'll, we'll figure something else out in terms of throwing the ball. They never seem like they we know just...
0: what they want to do between him and Deion Lewis. I mean, at least like at least yeah. he's getting a lot of the snaps, but they just like always just seem weird. It is funny uh, in the AFC South. I was just looking at standings. Houston, Indy, Jacksonville, and Tennessee are all tied at two and two apiece. Except that those other teams have zero minus eight zero. Point differential, and then you get Tennessee with plus twenty nine. So they, from a, just from an overall scoring perspective, uh, and, and holding, it's really more on the defensive side. They've only allowed sixty two points. Uh, they are
1: seem like the, the the cream of the crop so far in this weird AFC South. Uh, with Henry, okay, they, I felt so gratified when I saw those two zeros in the point differential when I was looking at the standings earlier this week. Just because I don't think I've ever seen a zero after the first game of the season. I guess for those team, two teams that tied, uh, that would be one, but. Having two zeros in the same division that just tickles me for some reason.
0: <laughs> yeah, just it feels it feels oddly perfect. Uh, they are um, they just the, the whole division is so weird. The, the 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 concern with Henry obviously it's like sort of a Marlon Mack thing that we ran into last week is that when the if the game does go sideways, um, then you're just going to lose out on all the touches. Like Marlon Mack needs to be on a, a, with the Colts needs to be winning uh, for him to hit value. I do feel like that's probably the case with Henry as well. Maybe not to the same degree, but uh, we have established some of these running backs who early on. Ran pretty good, no pun intended, with just their team being ahead and being able to run a little bit downhill. Yeah. Uh, and we and we kind of ran into the wrong. We kind of you know threw craps on the Mac one last week because you know they got down big, down big or big early, big early, early, and now that was just kind of the end to him. I do feel like there is a chance in the anything's possible realm uh, that that can happen to Henry as well. Chicago, uh, by the way, I'm just kind of skipping over this too because the receiving games for both A.J. Brown had a huge game last week. It was on three targets. So you want to take take a stab at at a guy getting downfield? Sure. Uh, It's really good to look at how it happened, and he went for 100 yards and a touchdown on three total looks. So not likely to repeat, at least with the yardage. And then the Bills side, uh, Devin Singletary is supposed to return this week, not like it really mattered with Frank Gore and the rest of that group, but it just adds another running back to the mix. Chicago goes into Oakland. Did we make a mistake by just not talking about David Montgomery as a cash game play yesterday? They're five-point road favorites against Oakland, who's been a bottom-third defensive team. So you have the defensive piece. They've been better against the run, for sure. But either way, they're just not a good defense. Uh, They're going to be without Mitch Trubisky. Chase Daniel is going to start. Montgomery looked like he's just kind of turning into that, like, going to touch the ball a ton kind of guy. And they're big favorites here. He's not very expensive. I'm starting to feel like we maybe... I know you wrote. Him, I know you wrote about him in the Cash Game article. We just skipped him on the podcast. Did we do a disservice by just not talking about him
1: more in depth yesterday? Yeah, Montgomery is seeing a, a lot of increase in buzz. Uh, he's now tied for the ninth highest most talked about guy according to FanShares algorithm. So that's very interesting to me that you know he's kind of climbing the charts. He that, he rose twenty eight spots by the way. So uh, this is a guy who's picking up steam as the week goes along. Um, you know he sort of falls into that same category as those other cheap running backs for me where. We know that in the right game script, he will get some touches at this point. He has done absolutely nothing with those touches so far. I mean, his most efficient game was against Washington. He went 13 for 67 yards. Uh, Last week, 21 carries for 53 yards, both against Minnesota. Against Denver, 18 carries for 62 yards. And against Green Bay, 6 carries for 18 yards. So uh, not the most efficient back. The the reason you play Montgomery is because You don't need to be especially efficient if you're going to touch the ball 25 times on a $5,700 price tag. So, you know, that's sort of the case for it. And I think he's the type of play, you know, maybe even more so than Samuels where I don't feel like if I saw him at 50% ownership or something and we didn't have him, I actually wouldn't be that scared. But I think if you look at the lineups, like one of the questions we were asking yesterday was, Do I have to play Andy Dalton over Lamar Jackson? Because if I do, I really hope that savings is helping me elsewhere. I would much rather make a decision like going down from, say, Fournette to David Montgomery and getting Lamar Jackson, because I think Fournette and uh, Montgomery are actually sort of similar plays, um, even if Fournette has somewhat of a better track record there. Uh, But yeah, I I would be willing to do it, I guess is what I'm saying. And I just want to know how I'm spending that savings. And I'd feel much more comfortable about doing it here uh, than I would going down to Andy Dalton.
0: I gave him 17 carries and four targets um, as his uh, as his projected usage in our system. And I'm sure that you're, you haven't run these this morning because I just did it before we started uh, uh, podcasting, and he is now in our top DraftKings and top FanDuel lineup. Well, I did, but I wanna, the thing there. I want to
1: caution you about there, that there is, you know, a lot of times our targets and receptions are based on, you know, I think much better projections than we get for rookies. So what I would want to do before we you know, tatted him as our every lineup sort of guy going forward. I just want to get in there and look at the actual projections that are powering that. Cause you know, we come up with our own preseason projections based on, you know, with, with established running backs is based on like facts um, with rookie running backs it's based on guesses and you know sort of how teams have used running backs in the past and how it's all worked out Montgomery's been pretty bad so far this year so if I looked in there and it was projecting him for four and a half yards a carry or something I'd feel pretty concerned and want to change it maybe you already adjusted that but that's the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that now he's in every da- or uh, every lineup guy on both sides
0: Uh, we have him for, we had him for 4.16 to start the season. And now he is at 3.97 yards per attempt. Um, 3.7 Three point seven, because the way we do our projections is we use our preseason projections, but then we feather in by percentages, uh, the season long data, um, just to kind of like it doesn't it never gets transplanted fully. It kind of just just to give people an idea of how we do this. Like season long data never gets put all the way in. It gets put in as a percentage of the overall projection. So he's under four yards of carry in our system right now. Um, so it's not like he's getting crazy. Usage. He's gonna. He's like, we're not. It's lower than what we originally had him projected for. Does that make you feel better knowing that this, like, under four yards of carry is still pretty bad. It's just that if you give him twenty touches at these prices, in and it's again, the the Vegas line helps him, and so does the Oakland defense. Does that make you feel feel a little bit better than we can move
1: on? Yeah, it does. I like I said, I don't feel terrible about playing him. I just don't feel like I absolutely have to play him, or I'm just going to get run roughshod over. And that's kind of what I was reflecting in the article as well, which is. You know, running back is another position, just like a few others this week, where I have palatable options across the price tier. So I don't feel like I have to go down to Montgomery in order to have a playable lineup this week. So, yeah, I'm just going to wait and see and see how the other chips fall together. But, yeah, see, to answer your question, he is in that group of running backs I could consider playing and not feeling bad about. Uh, on the Oakland side, uh, people have wanted
0: to play Josh Jacobs. He's been decent if he gets the ball, um, and they just need to be in the exact right situation for him. So if you get things go right, he gets like the 17 carries and two targets like he got last week for over 100 total yards, no touchdowns. Uh, but you need to get, have them jump out to a lead early. Not the not the. Not a crazy thing to happen here, judging by you know Chicago's going across the country here to play. Well, I mean, well midway across the country to the West Coast to play. They are they do have a backup quarterback. For as much as Chase Daniel has been around before and has reps here, he just is not their starter. Uh, I know that the the Vegas line doesn't have it in their favor or anything. But if you thought that the Raiders are in a place where they are in an advantageous spot because of the dinged, the, the how much the Bears are dinged up. I guess you can make a case for, for Jacobs. And we mentioned Waller as probably our tight end that we're going to go to this week, um, just in terms of the overall target share. Anything else to like here in the Oakland side or
1: just kind of move on? No, it's just Waller. I, you know, as I was looking at that team more closely, I certainly don't think you can trust any of the other receiving core. Like I said, I don't want to play Jacobs, who's also incidentally listed as questionable for this game. I just don't, don't see it in any respect.
0: Tampa Bay it goes in and plays New Orleans. The game has a forty-six and a half total, which seemed a little low to me, honestly, but that could just be uh, a Teddy Bridgewater thing or Tampa Bay going back across the country because they played in LA last week. I'm not exactly sure, but I do it started at 47 and a half, is down to 46 and a half. Um, again, that just seemed like it's going in a weird direction. Uh, it did start as at Saints minus four and a half and is down to minus three. I don't know if that's on the back. Of what, you know, those lines sometimes come out a little bit early uh, before the four o'clock games are done. And so I'm not sure if it started there and then everyone saw what Tampa Bay did against the Rams and kind of, you know, bumped them up a little bit. Give me your thoughts on this game from a fantasy perspective. Feels like in the Dome, it should be a place where we want to maybe even stack the game. I'm a little concerned that this total to me does seem low. I don't know if Vegas is seeing something that I'm just not.
1: Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you there. I guess, you know, I, you always want to be cautious after a huge game for a given team uh, running them out there, especially in big tournaments, just because everyone's going to be on top of it, but just the prices at this point for Tampa Bay as well. Give me a real pause. I mean, yeah, Godwin has ultimately been worth this price every, you know, on a per game basis, as you look through the course of the whole season, but he's basically got two great games and then two fairly poor games. Um, we saw the prior week against the Giants where they could have really used him, right? I mean, they blew that lead. Uh, it was just a really tough game script for Tampa Bay. Uh, against new york there and he was targeted five times so it's awesome that he was targeted 14 times last game one thing i you know i I always beat this drum every season we're starting to get into this time of the year now where you have that big target game sort of out of nowhere the tendency oftentimes is to look and be like well that's the new plan right like this guy they saw something they liked they're going to stick with it 10 plus targets here we come way too often that's just a coaching a coaching decision where they're exploiting one specific matchup and saying okay you got to beat us on this before we're going to switch up the game plan obviously last week the rams weren't up to that challenge uh new orleans does have some you know a solid secondary there i don't think that it's going to be the same situation where they're just going to be able to waltz in and just run roughshod and do whatever they want target him 14 times for 12 catches for 172 yards i just don't see it and not that you need that kind of production on a 7800 price tag but you're paying an all-time high for this guy i just want to exercise caution whenever I, i walk into that situation so yeah where this situation might have been more attractive in the past i don't think you can go there at least not in the passing game um and i think ronald jones Jr. or ronald jones too he's an interesting guy for big tournaments uh, just because he's getting such a, a line share of the carries on the ground right now. He hasn't turned it into a whole lot, but that's the type of play where everyone else is on. The David Montgomery's, Wayne Gallman's of the world. You can get Ronald Jones to at a lower price than, or I, I'm sorry, with lower ownership than those other guys. And I think he has similar upside.
0: Uh, yeah, so just to go back real quick to uh, to make uh, to touch on both points. So one, I do like to compare, this is about the Godwin-Evans thing. I do like, I guess specifically Godwin, I like to compare as the season goes on the average targets to the median targets, um, only because I think that's instructive if you're looking down on, uh, it's not always great to look at these average targets and think that this is like the number because if you can have these outsized games that will throw it way off. Most players are generally in line with each other as the season goes on. Uh, like, you know, Keenan Allen, for instance, his median targets, and his average targets are both right at twelve, right? Okay, so just to pick a sort of a name out there, Evans and Godwin both have uh, average targets significantly higher than their median targets, which is which is you know this early makes it it makes sense because you look at their game log and they just have these crazy like I don't want to call them outlier games because they're good, but I think it's sometimes you can get. Fall Just to speak to your point, you can fall a little in love with those great games and then sort of miss the forest for the trees and say, look, on a game-to-game basis, it's really just not happening from these guys, especially from a cash game perspective. They have all the upside in the world, but um, that is why I like to just sort of look at those two numbers and use them sort of both to inform a projection, especially when there's big differences between them. Because, again, most receivers will live... In the same range, just because that's just the way the offense runs. These guys, um, they just don't, and so yeah, that's probably the, one, why the one
1: caveat. I would say that I think that's actually very good practice to incorporate both of those. The one caveat I would say is for teams, and the Bucks aren't this way, but for teams that have guys coming and going, thanks to injury news, right? So you know, like on the Eagles, for instance, that might be a little bit problematic because you know Jeffrey and Jackson have both been oh yeah in mm-hmm. middle of house. You know what I mean? So that's the only hundred percent I would say. You can't use it as an absolute metric, but it is one of those things where it's it's very, very valuable um, in football. Anytime, like when we're looking for safety trying to find teams that have had just the same personnel, uh, that will give us the most clear picture. Unfortunately, it also often leads to high prices because uh, there's consistency there. But yeah, on a on a basic level, that's just something I always want to consider.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I I didn't feel like I needed to make that stipulation, but you're hundred percent right. These are all context based as well. It only works for teams that it, where nothing has really changed over the course of the season. It was funny to actually too, because as you were saying that, I was scrolling through our projections and just looking for another team that I wanted to compare it to. And as you said it, I landed on the Eagles and was going to. I was just noticing that, that that their numbers are way off between the median and the average for exactly that reason. Uh, the other guy you mentioned was Ronald Jones. You know, you mentioned the the, the yardage thing. Uh, in the old just sometimes it pays to just see what happened in the game. Ronald Jones did have two really long runs called back in the game. One was for a hold and one was for an, like an illegal shift, I think. So the hold you can kind of just forgive because maybe he doesn't get the run doesn't get that far because of it, but the other one I believe and someone can correct me if I'm wrong was not didn't really had little to do with the overall outcome. So again, not like it really matters, but he was almost these like two plays away from that line, looking a lot, lot different. And you can maybe say that again about most players, but for a guy that we already kind of want to make a case for, I think I don't think he's a cash game play for me, but I do think uh, that we probably have a Ronald Jones big game in us somewhere, even if this one isn't the one. Uh, on the Saints side, Michael Thomas at sixty six hundred on DraftKings. Uh, man, this is this one's close for me. Like Teddy Bridgewater is not Drew Brees, and Michael Thomas has seen uh, targets over the last couple weeks and been pretty consistent. He was nine for nine for ninety-five yards last week. Uh, and week three, I didn't have it in front of me. Real quick, James, hold on, I'm going to get there. He was uh, <laughs> he was five, he was five for seven for fifty-four and a touchdown. That was in Teddy Bridgewater's first game. Thoughts on him? Sixty-six hundred for a guy, seventeen targets over the last two weeks in the dome.
1: Bridgewater looking a little more comfortable in the offense. A case to be made for him in cash games on DraftKings. Yeah, I think there's a strong case for that. I think this, you know, we talked about this on the last podcast too, but I think you could see a lot of a resurgence, especially in big tournaments, of people trying to lean on these now underpriced big-name wide receivers because, you know, whatever they've done so far this year, guys like Thomas, guys like uh, DeAndre Hopkins, like there are big games coming for these guys. You know, they're just not all cooked all at once. And so getting them at a discount right now relative to – their historical prices, I think very attractive. Obviously Thomas has the extenuating circumstance of having Teddy Bridgewater be his quarterback rather than Drew Brees. And that's a little bit, you know, troubling to say the least. But you know, now that we have seen what Bridgewater and Thomas can do together, I don't think it's nearly as troubling as it was a couple weeks ago, right? So yeah, I think this is a very, very interesting spot because Thomas has been kind of the quintessential DraftKings play over the last couple of years with these ridiculous 80% conversion rates, you know, just getting so many receptions and kind of starting the day with those free points that I am I'm certainly not averse to playing him at all.
0: Yeah, 82% completion or 82% conversion rate with Teddy Bridgewater under center. I will say this I missed out on the early line in this and still ended up betting the Tampa Bay points in this one. I do think that uh i think that there's a couple luck sort of like lucky ish wins in the saints uh recent game log here with bridgewater i do not think i think this is the case against him i think i think that there's it's still Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm still just a little bit worried about their overall offense with him under center. So I do like the points uh, going on the road for Tampa. I'm, the only thing I'm concerned about is just having to fly back across the country for the game, uh, especially considering that was a late Sunday game. So that was the only thing that gave me a little bit of pause. I wish it had stuck at 4.5, but I do like the 3.5 points, uh, all things considered. Uh, we did talk about Alvin Kamara at length. He's a very close to a cash game play as well. Another one of these guys is just tough to evaluate. and, and See, uh, Alvin Kamara is one where if I – if I saw him at like 50% ownership, I think I'd just be like, I think I'd be okay on the fade, right? Like, I, I think just judging by all the other guys that are out there, I don't know if that would be the one that I'd be so worried about. Is that a fair statement? Um, Sometimes I felt not the same way about Alvin Kamara at times, but he's just like not one of the guys that overall scares me if he
1: had high ownership. Yeah, he does scare me more, I think, especially on DraftKings where, you know, just catching the ball 10, 12 times. I mean, we've seen him get 15 plus targets in a game, so I think he's capable Of Those absolutely explosive games where all of a sudden you simply cannot win if he goes off and scores 34 fantasy points. So on that level, it would scare me. But just because he's a a scary and explosive player, I think on a value basis, if we started the day, and I heard that, you know, 50% of the people had Kamara and I, we had Cook, it was like 25% owned or something, I would just be fine with that.
0: Yeah, I guess it's that I was maybe specifically comparing him to a guy like that. I I'd be worried though if it was like if, if it was like Cook and I would be worried about a situation where if we ended up with Fournette and McCaffrey and the chalk was Cook and Kamara because like just saw something that's that a good example. Yeah. I think that like be that be scary. Yeah, and I, and I can see that happening, man. I don't know. Like, that would be a situation where I'd be on pins and freaking needles all <laughs> Well, we know really quick because at 1 o'clock, all these games are at 1. So we know really fast if it worked out or it didn't. All right, Falcons go in and play the Texans. Texans are five-point favorites. This game is a 49 over-under. Texans have the third-highest team total on the slate at 27. Oh, excuse me. they have changed now. They might have the second-highest team total at 27 right now behind just the Patriots. Uh, oh no, excuse me, uh, Eagles have 28 and a half, but I'm, I'm actually going to not com- use those two teams because they're so, they're such a disaster from a fantasy perspective, especially for cash games, the Patriots and the Eagles that I'm just going to go ahead and say for our purposes, the Texans have the, the highest, t- the team total that we're going to consider in fantasy. We talked about the Sean Watson. We talked about DeAndre Hopkins yesterday, uh, where we think we ultimately land with these guys in cash games. I love Hopkins talked about it at length yesterday about why. I really like Watson, even though it's been he's been anything but consistent. Uh, thought any final thoughts here because we had talked about these guys at length.
1: Yeah, I, I think I still like them. Uh, one thing I noticed about Hopkins, he was climbing up FanShares' uh, top buzz chart or whatever. So I think both Watson and Hopkins are looking. Yeah, right now, let's see. Watson is the second highest, most talked about uh, quarterback for DFS purposes, according to FanShares' algorithm. And Hopkins is the most talked about wide receiver. Yeah, yeah the most talked about. So they listen. Yeah, to, they
0: fan chair listens to the podcast and reads the articles, baby. Because we what about. It. <laughs> I don't know That's if their it.
1: algorithm comes podcasts or not, uh, but they might read the articles. Uh, they certainly see what what gets talked about on Twitter and Instagram and social media. So I, yeah, just use that as your metric. So I guess then the the question becomes, like, I'm I'm totally fine playing Hopkins in cash. I'm fine, f- frankly, playing Watson as well. I think for big tournaments, like if you think that they're going to be the two, if that's the highest owned QB wide receiver pairing, it doesn't feel like one of those weeks where if you're not on it, then you lose automatically. I will say that. But yeah, that's that's a scary duo. And we haven't quite seen it yet. So these prices are potentially at the lowest point that they'll be for the rest of the season. Cliff notes: If you're not going to go back
0: and listen, Hopkins has faced shadow coverage in each of his first four—three of his first four games—from some of the top cornerbacks in the in the league, uh, between Hayward, Lattimore, and Ramsey, and then the Panthers as well. Uh, so, if you're looking at his overall median and mean target share so far this season, I do not think it's a representation of what the Texans want to do with him. Uh, I think there's this is has a smash spot all over it for Hopkins. Might get priced out of it in terms of cash games, and I'm not gonna feel great about it because I just want to play this guy everywhere. Uh, Watson is another one, eight thousand between him and eight thousand and Lamar Jackson, eighty-three hundred. Just real quick, gut gut shot. If the eighty, if the three hundred was the difference of let's say a defense, right? Let, let's say I don't know a three hundred dollars in defense. I'm not gonna go through all the different permutations of what the three hundred can mean, but let's just say that's sure. the difference. Would you would you just really want to prioritize Jackson here, or is like the team total in Watson's? Uh, just sort of just explosive ability. Plus, I mean, the Falcons have been dreadful. Uh, Was it, it closer than
1: that, or, or would we still lean Jackson? Uh, I think I'd still lean Jackson. I mean, I certainly understand the allure, and this is, again, one of those things that would have felt crazy to say to start the season. Um, but very similar. Like, you know, you, you do the old average and median thing in terms of targets. I think it's reasonable to do that for fantasy points as well. And, you know, the median fantasy points on Watson aren't going to look as sunny. You know, he's got those two games where if you add up the FanDuel points, it's 57 or so FanDuel points and then two games when you add them together and it's 24 FanDuel points, right? So we know it can happen for Watson. We know sometimes it really can't. I think the big feather in his cap here is if he's going to get his best wide receiver out from under great shadow coverage, then... You know, where things are looking up, Uh, he's shown that, you know, he's very dependent upon uh, Hopkins for those big games. And like I pointed out, I think it was yesterday on the cash game pod, uh, three touchdowns in four games so far, probably not a sustainable pace on the ground for Watson either. So I think I'd take Jackson, all things considered, and be very happy with it. But I can understand the case for Watson for sure
0: yep it's uh it's gonna be close it's gonna be another one of those I think I actually think Watson sees higher ownership this week but and I have been we've been fine being on the wrong side of quarterback chalk so far this season at times it's just that's not a place where I'm usually that worried about being wrong about quarterback is it's just hard to go so wrong at the position, uh, like oh, in the aggregate, right? Like maybe on a week-to-week basis, you don't get there, but our uh, we I feel like we have made pretty good decisions, all things considered, at this position, and so um, I'm not so worried about. Like if I saw him at huge ownership, that w- I don't think, and we didn't have him, I don't know if that would be a situation that would have me running for the metaphorical hills. Uh, on the Atlanta side, man, the the running game, forget it, can't do anything with it. Matt Ryan has put up, has had his share of big games. He's had to throw a ton of times just because the offense and specifically the defense are just just really, really struggling. Some of these guys are getting huge target share. Like, even like Austin Hooper, seen a ton of targets. Sanu saw double-digit targets last week, and obviously Julio Jones. How close is Ryan here to a cash game? Or, you know, if we think that the Texans do put up points, you know, could you do like a Hopkins slash... You know, they, maybe they get there on the ground, too, because running backs have had their way uh, at times with the Falcons. Like, Could you see stacking like Ryan and Hopkins together in a catch-up game, maybe with one of the receivers?
1: Uh, yeah, I can see the argument for it. I don't think it's a direction I'm necessarily going to try to prioritize. Uh, you mentioned Hooper. I have no interest in playing this guy. I mean, he's more expensive than tight ends. I like just as good or better. And while the targets have been solid, uh, you know, 11 targets last week, you can't argue with that, against Tennessee— um, you know, the targets for someone like Waller have been similar, and you're just going to pay 400 less. So I'm going to certainly probably go in that direction and prioritize just getting that. You talked about the savings, the difference between someone like Jackson and Watson. I'd always take that at tight end because tight end is already a pretty inconsistent position, and I think I can do pretty well by just taking the savings among guys that are all almost identical. Uh, as far as Ryan's concerned, you know, Ryan, he's a funny guy because... I. First of all, no, I'm not considering playing him in cash. I think I, you know, I get that he's been somewhat consistent. The fantasy points are actually pretty similar on an average basis with someone like Watson. I think the fact that he is a little bit cheaper is a feather in his cap. But I think once I'm down in this area with the more kind of speculative, cheaper quarterbacks, I could just see going with Andy Dalton in that great game script against uh, Arizona. So I think that's kind of where my head is at right now. So in short... Yeah, I mean, like many plays, I can see the case for uh, taking a correlation play. You know, taking quarterback and wide receiver, and then a big name wide receiver on the other side. I suspect a lot of people will go that route. I just don't think you're going to get a lot of separation by doing it in this game, and so for that reason, I personally will probably be looking elsewhere.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I was mostly talking about correlation from a from a GBP perspective. That really wasn't looking for anything beyond that. All right. Um, from uh, excuse me, the next game on the list is the Patriots go in and play the Redskins. I got a little tripped up here because I was trying to figure out where I wanted to start with the Patriots here from a fantasy perspective. I nodded to it before. I, I just don't know how you play any single one of these guys. In uh, I don't even know. Well, I kind of want to say tournaments as well. Like I just don't like last week that Burke had comes off the decent week the week before with no James White barely plays. Uh, they run well. He was um, hurt
1: going into the week. Like, they weren't sure he was even going to play. So. Okay, whatever. They contribute some of that to that.
0: Okay, Edelman goes in banged up too, gets seven targets. James White gets 10 targets. Philip Dorsett gets nine, goes two for 10. I know they had a tough matchup against, but they they struggled overall in this game. I guess mostly what I mean is I just don't know what you do with them from a fantasy perspective, and I'm not even sure any of them have tons of upside. Like, Sonny Michel never catches a ball, so you need him to score, like, many touchdowns to hit value compared to his brethren at at the running back position. The receivers, Edelman can have huge games. He's a little banged up here. Uh, I guess most of my question is one, I, I just I, I'm just this is so such an unexciting for such a great team from a fantasy perspective, they're they're so unexciting. And the second but the second piece, and maybe this is more relevant is the Redskins are horrible, and this Patriots defense is obviously <laughs> showing itself that it's completely elite. They're sixteen point favorites again. The Giants had no problems with with Haskins and the Redskins last week. I, I can't even imagine what the Patriots do here. Do we need to start talking about just, sort of just like changing our projections to prioritize a team like this on a defensive special teams basis, because we never have done this in the past because the variance around defenses is just so crazy. It's just never worth it. And the Patriots are the first team where I'm really starting to think like in situations like this, maybe we just kind of bump them up like 15% over the median projection and just say, this is the team you have to play. What are your thoughts there?
1: I think it's absolutely reasonable. Um, so the Patriots so far, especially in the last three games, which I think are a reasonable proxy for this one. Uh, You know, they played two terrible teams in Miami and the Jets. And in those games, the key number I'm sort of looking at right now is the sacks, right? They average six sacks in those games. They go out there and they sack Allen five times last game. If you're going to start the day with around five or six points uh, as your defense, you don't really have to have a whole lot else go right in order for you to put up pretty significant fantasy totals and have a very high floor. So, I mean, forget about the fact that They're allowing next to no points and getting a lot of um, fantasy points that way, too. They're obviously having the big plays. Uh, They have now 10 interceptions on the season, too, through four games, which is outrageous. I I don't know if that pace will continue, but I suppose we'll see. And then three defensive touchdowns so far. Again, not a pace I expect them to continue. But, yeah, I think the Patriots are moving into that sort of exception-level category. I will say, after this week, I'll be very... Hesitant about playing them, except for when they're playing Miami and the Jets for their second time throughout the season. Like I think it's just really hard to sustain the kind of fantasy point totals that that they've put together defensively so far. But this week could be the last week where I could see that uh, being an appropriate decision. Um, The big problem, of course, is anytime you start talking yourself into one of these expensive defenses. First of all, it's never hard because if you're expensive as a defense, you've been great already, and you know you've probably had good matchups too. If you're talking about you're going to have to do a, a pretty good job to talk me into wanting to take the $1,600 I would have to pay to go up from, say, Dallas uh, to go up and get New England. The, that $1,600 is the difference between, you know, that's like Dalvin Cook or all the way down to Wayne Gallman. You know, like that's right. that's a lot. So I, it, like I said, it will take some convincing in order for me to think that this is a place where I'm supposed to prioritize my salary this week, but uh, I'm certainly open to it given the sort of exceptional circumstances.
0: Yeah. And this has just as much to do with the Redskins as it does to do with the Patriots, by the way, like I'm putting this, this, the the confluence of factors here is really why I'm discussing it. If it was almost any other team, I I, besides the Redskins, the Jets, or it's funny that there's even this many of them, Redskins, Jets, uh, and Dolphins. I don't think we'd be in this discussion, but when you just get this such a good such a good defense plus just the, such a bottom of the barrel of freaking offense, that's where you, you really start to need to think about it. Because this is another one now, again. If we're talking about the you know if they were forty percent owned in cash, and I saw them there, I don't think I'd be again so concerned because I I'm with you that you just can't keep returning touchdowns or interceptions for touchdowns every single game. And Haskins looks so terrible that they probably just could for for another game here. Cardinals go in and play the Bengals. This is another one we're going to have to kind of suss out because the Bengals are bad, bad, bad. And they're minus 53 point differential on the season. They're 0 and 4, and they are three point home favorites against the Cardinals, uh, who are, they had a tie on their resume. So congrats to them. Uh, they are minus 41 point differential for the season. I really hate – I texted you earlier in the week. I was like, you know, what a time to be alive or something like that. We're going to be playing a lot of Bengals in cash. This team stinks, but do the Cardinals stink worse enough on the other side that we can really feel good about it? Because it's crazy that they're the they're, they're favorites considering how bad they've been.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, like. I understand the logic behind it, of course, and I think with these terrible teams – they can become very unpredictable, and I suspect Vegas is probably better at evaluating situations like that than I am, just kind of eyeball testing it. Uh, like you said, though, it's just extremely difficult. I mean, this Bengals team—they just got absolutely worked over by a Pittsburgh team that had looked totally lost leading up to that game, right? So, uh, this Bengals team will have forty-one points to San Francisco. I—I I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily see this as being, you know, one-sided in Cincinnati's favor whatsoever. One thing I do see happening is the continuation of uh, Arizona giving up a lot of opposing possessions. You know, I talked about this earlier in the week. The one thing that would give me pause is that when teams are on sort of historic paces, they tend not to keep them up. And especially, I mean, this is one of those weird ones where it's not like, like the the Arizona's play calling is totally under their control, which is what I would say is the one caveat here. And that they can just call whatever plays they want and if they just want to continue to throw passes and just you know run plays early in the clock and do all that stuff they absolutely can and in that way it can be sustainable in a way that you know record setting sack paces or something isn't because you know that's not just your call you don't get to decide if you're going to sack the other team's quarterback or not that being said i just highly suspect that if this continues to not work in Arizona that at some point they have to start mixing it up and I don't want to be left holding the bag necessarily with like an Andy Dalton style play, a quarterback, if I can avoid it. I think if this was an actual good quarterback where the floor were higher, I would feel a lot more secure in the play. I will say that Andy Dalton right now has the number one most buzz over on yep. Fanshare. I'm not so, surprised. Yeah, I, yeah, the number one overall. So, you know, probably for big tournaments. I mean, that like I said, their numbers are for big tournaments. But I, I think for cash games, too, people could talk themselves into it. I would be kind of nervous, but I I certainly see the case. I mean, he was good ish on these prices in the first three weeks, so uh, I don't know. Are you, are you where are you landing with this? Because we talked about Jackson and Hopkins uh, and the decision there is that a savings extra five. If if we're already saving three hundred to go from Jackson to Hopkins, hey, we get five hundred more for going down to Dalton. Are you there, Doug, or are you uh, you trying to get those bigger name running guys?
0: You gotta play. You gotta play those other two quarterbacks over Dalton. I think. I think that okay. there's just too many concerns around Cincinnati. I. I get why they're favored, I guess. <laughs> I, but I but I but I also don't. I'll be I'll t- okay. So a couple things. One, I bet the Arizona points here and I bet them outright to win. Like I think that Cincinnati is I, I just don't I just don't totally get it. Like they're worse in every metric than the, than the Cardinals so far this year. Maybe you want to give them the home field advantage. Uh, that's a piece that I guess matters here. In terms of offensive DVOA, Arizona's better. In terms of defensive DVOA, Arizona's better. I know it's only four games into the season. Um, In terms of Dave projection, which is through Football Outsiders, which factors in a little more preseason projection and thing, Arizona's also better on both sides of the ball as they they sort of feather in season stats to go along with their projections. There's no perfect way to do this, so um, I just don't. I just, I just don't totally get it. It doesn't mean it doesn't preclude them from being good fantasy plays. The Bengals, that is. I, it just means this team's bad. Like the wide receiver, they're throwing out Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate as their wide receivers because they've already lost their two arguably two best receivers. If you want to uh, say Ross is the second best receiver after A.J. Green, uh, Mixon has had his struggles. The defense is bad. I, I just, I just don't totally get it. So anyway, I, I took Arizona in the points and Arizona outright to win it, like plus one fifty, I think. And I'm fine playing the receivers. Boyd and Tate. I think there's a lot of ways for that to go right at a high, pretty high floor. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling here. I I, I was a little higher in the, especially Dalton going into this week. I'd much rather do it on DraftKings at 5,700. Much bigger savings there than over the big other quarterbacks. No way I want to do it on FanDuel. You have to play those other big guys. Is that a fair enough assessment? And how do you like those bets?
1: Yeah, I think those bets are solid. Um, You know, I guess. Again, I'm still feeling a little bit nervous uh, with teams this unpredictable to want to start jamming in uh, big bets on them. I think, you know, for both teams, there's been so many weird games so far that I feel like I'm introducing a lot of variance into my betting portfolio by moving in this direction. You know, my my strategy so far has basically been to look for these value huge underdog plays. And uh, it's actually been pretty hit or miss, (laughs) like a lot of the the huge spreads I've actually covered, which has been, you know, pretty historic. But Yeah, I think this is a little bit too uncertain for me to want to wade into.
0: Christian Kirk is trending toward doubtful. He leads the team in targets so far this season. Do we want to just move Larry Fitzgerald into all cash games here? He's 5,800 on FanDuel. He is, uh, I just lost it. He is 6,000 on DraftKings. Is vacating Kirk's targets enough to just bump Fitzgerald in there? It looks like they're going to play with some Isabella, some Keyshawn Johnson, some Trent Shurfield in the other spots. Uh, and then kind of where does that land us on David Johnson's target share as well? He's coming off a week that where he saw a ton of looks out of the backfield. Give me your quick thoughts on the Arizona, specifically the passing game here uh, against a very bad Bengals defense in a game where I guess they could be playing catch-up as well um, or either of
1: these guys' cash game plays. Well, important to note that 6,000 on DraftKings – it's only 200 more dollars, quote unquote, than the 5800 on FanDuel, but that actually is a much higher price relative to your entire salary over there. Uh, just kind of the way the salaries wind up working out. So I would be less enthusiastic about playing him at 6K on DraftKings. Like for instance, Michael Thomas is 6600 on DraftKings, you know. Um, and so just to kind of give you a sense of what that'll buy you over there on FanDuel, however, 5800 is a really, really attractive price point. Uh, I definitely think you can run him out there in cash based on what we saw in the first two games of the season uh, should Kirk miss this one. And I would definitely not touch any other parts of this receiving game whatsoever. So uh, that's kind of where I'm weighing in right now. Guys like Keyshawn Johnson, cool. He's 4,600. He's 4,600 for a reason. I mean, outside of a big target share game week one, he's done absolutely nothing. And I think after Fitzgerald, you're just back in the realm of like, this could be the guy. And I, I hate being in that situation. I like, unless there's some kind of track record for it, I am so hesitant to try and guess which of the three targeted game guys are going to step in and become six targeted game guys. Like, that's not a game I like playing very much. Yeah, totally agree.
0: And when you run the top 50 lineups uh, for us on DraftKings, if you get Fitzgerald in, uh, I think it was like only 60, now you only get him in 46% of them, uh, which does speak to that. Does speak to that salary issue. Whereas on FanDuel, you're in the top 50. You get Fitzgerald in 92% of it. so double the percentage. Just because that, like you said, uh, percentage of salary cap uh, is just such a better play for Fitzgerald on FanDuel than it is in DraftKings. I think he's a good play on both, by the way. It's just a uh, yeah, you're you're not getting as much bang for your buck with him on DK. All right, moving into another game that I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on here from a fantasy perspective. Jets go in and play the Eagles. Eagles, to me, are just like the Patriots. Any, yeah, any given guy on any given Sunday, as far as they, they seem to go. Uh, there's 500 running backs that get guards. Um, there's a bunch of guys that catch passes. Wentz is good. They can just run the ball. The Jets are terrible. They're still without Sam Darnold. I think we can move fairly quickly through this game, unless you see something I don't.
1: Yeah, I think Jordan Howard's an interesting big tournament play. I think the fact that he's getting those down and close carries, uh, the fact that he increased his carry share against Green Bay up to 15 and had four targets with a touchdown in the passing game uh, makes him somewhat interesting. I think people are sort of going to be on it. You know, it's kind of hard not to be after a three touchdown game, but yeah, he's the guy I'm sort of keying in on overall. Um, I do think there's some potential value for big tournaments also in guys like Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, he wasn't spectacular last week, but he did get nine targets, and he probably, on paper, is the most talented receiver on the team. Obviously, it looks like there might be some conversion issues there, uh, but he has two touchdowns in his two starts as well this season. So a lot of cooks in the kitchen. To your point, no cash game plays that I can see here, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if I saw some Eagles wind up being in those big tournament-winning lineups at the end of the week.
0: All right, let's move into the two 4 o'clock games, 1-4, of of four twenty-five. Bengals go in and play the Chargers. Chargers are six and a half. The Broncos. Right. What I say? To the Bengals. Ah, I've just got, C- Bengals. got Cincinnati in my mind, man. I'm just like these guys have occupied so many of my <laughs> thoughts this week about what the hell to do with that team. All right, no Broncos go sure. in and play the Chargers. Chargers are six and a half point favorites. Uh, they're going to get Melvin Gordon back. Uh, pretty much puts an end to the Austin Eckler, as uh, especially at these price points, and maybe just for the rest of the season. As they, I mean, you think that they're probably just going to enter a timeshare. You would think, right? Like there's no reason for what these guys, what they're paying you to these guys to have one get killed. I, I don't think we can take a stand. I don't think we can take a stand on Gordon here, right? As like being every down back, no. considering what Eckler's done. I mean, that's a quick correct, right? Like I don't. There's nothing
1: more to see there. Absolutely not. Okay. I mean, again, if your thing is just big tournaments and you want to guess that this is going to be the week where. You know, you can get Gordon because Gordon will be if he steps back into the role he's had in the past. Both, like either one of these guys, could be back to being eighty-eight $8, thousand, eighty-two hundred dollar running backs, right? So, if you do think for some reason that one of them is the clear winner, then go for it. I would have a really hard time imagining that the Chargers are going to use him that way, uh, given that he's been away from the team and he was just kind of being, I would say, a baby about the contract. Whoa. Like I, that's my. Yeah, I don't. I hate to be that guy, but. You know me. Like, I was. I do know I, you. I feel like I can consistently hold. The, you do know me very well. I feel like I can consistently hold these two ideas in my mind. On one hand, good for Andrew Luck that he retired and didn't feel like playing football anymore, right? Like, I think we can say that if you just choose at some point in your life that this thing you're doing is no longer for you, then awesome. The part that I don't love as much is the part where you sign a contract to do something and then all of a sudden you just don't feel like doing it anymore. And so you're just going to stop. Um, I do think people have a, a generally reasonable complaint about the nfl where it's like and eh, well you get drafted and they have sort of these unfair labor practices where they chew you up doing your good years and then you never get to get the big contract that much i totally understand and it's still the only show in town if you want to play football professionally so you're just on the team you got the contracts like teams have to be rewarded in some capacity for making good picks later in the draft right like i don't know i just don't know how else to do it and i, I guess i have to say too uh, for these running backs. Um and you know the, the DAC thing has come up this season too. I just think that at some point you just have to be like, okay, I'm making millions of dollars playing this game. Sitting out is just gonna be bad for me, bad for the team, bad for everything else. If I really want to get paid in the future, I can I don't know. I just think the whole that thing is kind of stupid. So that's my general my general feeling. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm anti-labour and a terrible guy and an arch capitalist, but it's hard to root for guys that, that behave this way to me.
0: Get him going on cryptocurrencies. Get him going on labor disputes, and that's uh, the two things. That, that's the two things. I don't, that's that's those. So the, we're opening with it and we're closing <laughs> with it. A long
1: story short is I won't play any players on either side of this game, um, except with the possible exception of Keenan Allen in what I do think will be a bounce back week here.
0: Uh, I generally do too, and I'm just so worried. We talked about this in the Cash Game podcast yesterday. Uh, there's two a couple things working against him, I think Travis Benjamin and Mike Williams look like they're both going to come back and play this week. So they'll receive, and Don Inman's out for the year, so you lose him, but you get the other two actual starting receivers back, I believe. Between those two things, Melvin Gordon being back in the mix and the Chris Thomas shadow coverage in the slot, I am down on this being the bounce-back week for Keenan Allen. Not to say that he's not going to end up very near the top of the overall target share by the end of the season. I still think that's plenty in play. I just don't know if this is the, I, I'm just, I'm becoming increasingly skeptical about running him back out in cash games in this specific matchup, which sort of like the way the Chargers team is, is sort of unfolding going into week five. That'll be another discussion that we have going into uh, lineups on Sunday when we're in our chat and we're kind of just making final tweaks to our projection system and making sure I, I could see Allen being left out of cash games. And I, he'd be not, I don't think he's going to see crazy high ownership to begin with. And I don't know if I'd be totally worried about it. Final game. Green Bay goes in and plays Dallas. Dallas is three and a half point home favorites. It's the 425 game. The injury, a couple injury news and notes here. It looks like Jamal Williams has taken uh, the hit on Sunday. Is going, excuse me, last Thursday is going to sit, leaving possibly just Aaron Jones, who's been pretty bad when they've actually given him the ball as the only running back in town in Green Bay. Not sure your thought. Can get your thoughts on that one. And the other one is Devontae Adams is has not practiced since last Thursday. Still banged up. His status could really swing some potential usage yeah. in Green Bay going into this one as well, uh, leading into Sunday. Give me your thoughts here on the injury situation in Green Bay and how it could unfold for cash games on Sunday.
1: Well, if Devontae Adams misses the game or is hurt for the long term, my team in the DFSR League is totally dead. So everyone out there, throw up your thoughts and prayers uh, that Adams is fine for this game and in the future. Uh, but yeah, if we vacate those targets from Adams – I think you'll see chalk ownership on someone like Marquez valdez scaling, who's already... like If we compare him to that Keyshawn Johnson sort of group, I think it's very clear that MVS, as I'll call him, <laughs> is, is the clear heir apparent to a lot of those targets. Uh, he got 10 against Denver, 7 against Philadelphia last week. Isn't always the most efficient target, but I think that he would be the clear person to sort of step in and uh, kind of subsume a lot of those. And then I think Geronimo Allison is kind of the poor man's version of that, where he's getting those three to four targets a week, you know, kind of doing middling things with them, has established himself as a red zone target, but what, for me would be more of a big tournament play. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm weighing in. On the Green Bay thing right now, I don't, I sort of hope Adams doesn't miss, so I don't have to worry about it. Like, I I don't think Marcus Valdez scaling would be the kind of play that would unlock everything for me and make the week super exciting or anything, but yeah, that I, I could certainly see trying to prioritize him over someone like you know david montgomery at a similar price point i think uh, marcus Valdez scantling could be a good play there uh
0: and then you know the jones thing and then what do you want what are your thoughts here on zeke uh not a guy we talked about it was a guy that you know going into the season we wanted to project for just kind of like outsize overall touches i have him at 20 and three right now it seems like he is getting a little bit less in the passing game although he had seven targets last week i don't really know like He's a guy. I feel like if we went with preseason projections on him, he'd be another one that we'd be easily talking about among the very top tier of just overall running back plays. Uh, is not really all the way, he's never he hasn't put it all together between the touchdowns and yards and touches you know in a game yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Do you think we could end up being a week late on Zeke? We have him right now as one, two, three, four, five 5, as the sixth overall highest projected running back. In, in looking at that, that feels insanely low to me, and yeah, I get that right. he has not really mm-hmm. put it all together. Like, are we just too low here? And if we bump him up, like, does, he's cheaper than Kamara, and he's cheaper than Cook. Like, is that correct, too? Like, this is, this is another one of those crazy questions I have about cash game. I do feel like we could be on the outside looking at Zeke. I don't see he's going to get a ton of ownership, but... Could we just run in here and be a week early on him?
1: Yeah, so for starters, um, he's not cheaper on FanDuel. He's 8800 on FanDuel, um, Sorry, which is plenty expensive. Yeah, he's plenty expensive. Yeah, on DraftKings, though, I think you will see significant ownership. Um, so again, back to fanshare. Zeke is the most talked about player at running back this, uh, this week, and they project him for the highest ownership in big tournaments. And so I don't think that anyone's sleeping on Zeke going into this week. Uh, You know, he's obviously a good play. Like you said, the fact that you're just like throwing him out there for 23 touches in a game is going to be among the highest in terms of overall opportunity going into this week. So, yeah, there's there's a very, very strong case for running him out there. And again, the type of play, I mean, we do our old, you know, kind of meaningless gut check. If he was the 60 percent ownership guy and we didn't have him, would you feel nervous? Uh, Like if we had prioritized Cook or Kamara over Elliott and we were on the wrong side of that, saying a 60 percent. Zeke Way and 10% Kamara or Cook, would you feel nervous or do you think that we'd be okay there?
0: Yeah, it's just the problem is we don't have Kamara and Cook. We have McCaffrey and Fournette. This is the problem I'm having. Like I know I mentioned it earlier, it's just that I, I feel like right now we just have the guys that I just kind of don't want to see. It's it, Kamara and Cook. I'd almost feel better with it. I get why. I get our projection system, so I'm not like bagging on that. It makes total sense where we're coming from on these numbers. Like the McCaffrey again, he's been like a great receiver and the best running back. Like if you just look at his carries and uh, overall, right? Like he's like McCaffrey
1: caught 10 balls last week, right? So like he's just very clearly. Like, Zeke, it might take Zeke three games to catch 10 more passes. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> so I totally get I it. I
0: totally get it. I I, I don't want to – I'm not just prioritizing Zeke over McCaffrey. That's not what I mean. I guess maybe – I I just – it just speaks to my overall – you know what it just speaks to? There's just – there's so many good running backs. There's there's 12 – good, 10 good running yeah. backs you can play this week. That's really the, the whole story. So, uh, I guess I will only wouldn't feel bad about it because there's so many other good plays that it's hard to imagine you just, you know, you, you come on the wrong side of all of them. Like, there just are – there's just a plethora of these guys. There's, no, there's sure. no other way to put it. So I think that that's the only reason I, I probably wouldn't be worried about it. It would feel crazy if like if everyone just landed on Z. With all these great plays, if he was like a 50% in cash, that would feel crazy to me, just judging by how many other guys there are out there. That's the only thing. Like The, the numbers seem so high. I am, encur- I am encouraged for him specifically that the full snap count was there last week. He did touch the ball 25 times last week, and again, that was a real grinded out 12-10 to 10 affair against the Saints. So um, you do like to see the overall touches are there. Gallup is going to be back here. I don't really feel like that affects him one way or the other, except to maybe just make the overall offense better. I don't know. It's another one of these decisions we're going to be having on Sunday for sure. We are around every Sunday leading into lineup block for hours and hours, talking with our users, discussing different lineup strategies, discussing cash games, discussing GPPs. And you can be part of that too by signing up for our projection system over at dfsr.com deals dailyfantasysportsrankings.com slash deals. It's going to get you a free seven-day trial. So if you sign up today, you're good through the weekend. Uh, we got baseball going there. Our boy Chris Darrell is covering hockey for us. We cover every sport. It's all in on their, on their one subscription package. You don't need to section it off by sports or writers or whatever systems they have. We have all of our stuff on their one subscription package. So go find a better deal than that in the industry. I don't think you will. dfsr.com slash deals we'll get you started. Buddy, we'll be grinding this out Sunday. It's going to be an interesting one. I feel like this is the most interesting week of the season so far, just with all these close calls. I feel like I've said it a thousand times, but I'm excited to talk about with you on Sunday. (laughs) Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back here for week five with our users.
1: All right, man. See you in the chat.